1: Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of CastingAcross.com where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. So I have a couple different topics that I want to address today, but also want to let you know that something that I had mentioned a few weeks back has come to fruition. We have a sponsor. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. It's not any fly fishing brand, but it is something that I think is going to be uh, of interest, uh, especially given some feedback I got to a recent podcast. But we'll get to that at a commercial, first commercial on the podcast uh, here in the middle. But uh, the first thing I want to talk about is this is being recorded in August, uh, the middle of August. And for a lot of us, we're probably two-thirds of the way through our fishing season, like the bulk of our fishing season. As I've said before, numerous times, there's many of us who fish through the entire year, and that's, that's fantastic. But uh, for a lot of people, for probably your kind of uh, you know, average angler, not average in skill... But just average in time allocation, maybe somebody who skis in the winter time, somebody who uh, just lives somewhere where there's just not a lot of winter angling opportunities. Being in August means that you're probably two thirds of the way, to 75% of the way done with the the main part of your fishing season. And it is an excellent opportunity when you have a really, really rainy weekend, or maybe you just have a, a lazy day sitting around the house. Uh, or even just an evening after you've gotten home from work and you just want to crash to get into your gear and do some mid-season maintenance. Mid-season maintenance. We always think about end-of-the-season maintenance or, or even just spring cleanup, but now is the time to look at your knots. Now is the time to, you know, if you've had your fly rod assembled uh, in your boat or in the back of your car for a long time to stop and look at stuff and make sure everything looks right. That last one is huge. So if uh, you leave your rods together, um, which is not recommended, if you want a rod to get stuck, leave it together. That isn't a, a, a guarantee that if you, you know, Put your rod together in the morning and take it apart in the evening it's never going to get stuck if moisture gets in there if the day goes through a significant temper temper if you go through a temper uh, fluctuation you could have a problem but if the day goes through a temperature fluctuation then that can cause ferrules to stick whether it be uh like like nickel ferrules on a bamboo rod or even graphite or, or fiberglass um just depending on how snugly they fit i mean that's that's kind of the, the double-edged sword of a um of a well-fitting ferrule. The tighter it fits, the more sensitivity that you have in feeling your rod, not just for like, you know, feeling that nymph tap the bottom, or, uh, you know, feeling fish uh, take it, but also your cast. You're going to have a much smoother cast the more smooth that ferrule transition is so that means a nice tight fit of that male end in that female end and the rod being designed so that it's not going to wiggle around in there but that also means that uh, there's the potential if there's any grit that gets in there so anything that uh, gets in between that male and that female end and, and sits in there is going to cause those ferrules to stick together uh, furthermore um, if there's moisture or if you put it together and it's warm and it gets cold, um, you're probably okay, but if you put it in and it's cold and it gets warm that you might have some issues there, but uh, all sorts of issues can, could happen to cause your ferals to get stuck. Um, so. That's why it is strongly suggested, not just by me, but by the manufacturers of fly rods, whether they be the biggest company um, selling uh, rods manufactured overseas, or somebody who's making uh, you know, multi-thousand dollar bamboo rods, they say uh, take them apart as often as you can. But I know, I don't take mine apart as often as I can, I know that you don't either, especially if you have a boat, if you're fishing day after day after day, you're going to leave them together. But take the opportunity to go to your rods that maybe have been together for a long time, pull them apart, even if you put them right back together again. And for a couple of of big reasons. One, you want to realize that you have a very stuck ferrule, not just something that you can pop apart by putting it behind your knees and pulling apart, which hopefully you know that trick where you, you, you... The best way to pull a fly rod apart is to exert perfectly or as close to perfect um, pressure on those ferrules moving in opposite directions as opposed to doing it with a bend in it, which A, is going to make it more difficult because even that minute amount of friction of that male end pushing against the inside of that female end with a little bit of pressure is going to cause it to have more friction and it's not going to pull off as easily. However, if you can pull it straight apart, then it's going to pop out much more simple, but sometimes it's easier to do in a more controlled environment than in your waders, uh, in your wading boots, in your boat, or on the side of the stream, or maybe outside your car when you're trying to get that nine-foot rod to fit in your compact sedan. So, uh, you know, you, you put it behind your knees, and uh, you, you brace it uh, with both of your fists on the outside of your knees, and then using your leg power, not your arms, so you can generate more power with your knees and your thighs, then you pull it straight apart. And that's a great way to do it. But so if it you find it stuck, then pop it apart. Do it in your garage. Do it out in your boat. Do it uh, you know in your in your basement, and then you can put it right back together. But now you know that it's uh, it, it can come apart, and it's also that you put it back in there snug, because the second problem, and I would say, is probably the bigger issue. And I, I've had this happen before. Uh, there was one summer I was fishing so. So like much on the stream for rock bass, smallmouth, largemouth, other warm water species. And I just kept this uh, nine foot eight weight in the back of my car all the time. And I kept it assembled. I had a Subaru at the time. So the thing could kind of lay across my back hatch and into my front uh, passenger seat and it didn't get in my way. If I had a passenger, it didn't get in their way. Uh, And I just kept the thing together all the time because I would stop, pull over, just walk up and and cast uh, a couple of these little warm water streams, just having a, a blast. And then one day, I'm out casting, and I you know, I'd just taken my rod out the back of my Subaru, walked into the water, and started probably my second cast. I remember there was so many crayfish out that day, and so I was really focusing on, well, there's so many crayfish. Should I try to fish a crayfish pattern, or should I try to do something different? I can't remember what my decision was because on my second cast, I heard a crack, and I thought you know, what's going on? I'm not using a very heavy, uh, fly. I, that that particular rod doesn't cast big dumbbell eyed flies very well. So I'm thinking, what did I just do? So I started looking at stuff and I noticed as I kind of felt up my rod that my, uh, first ferrule. So that thickest, uh male end on my kind of that goes up from the butt section into that second ferrule um a very very wide female end uh it wasn't on there straight and it wasn't on there tight and so that that uh casting that long eight weight line with a heavier fly on there torqued it and because it wasn't firm and snugly fitting in there it actually caused a crack in that female end of the ferrule and i would say even more than a snapped tip you're gonna be completely out of commission if you blow up a female feral um, only because there's there's no way of affixing fixing that. I would say that that's probably you know the the second easiest way to damage your rod, but it's much more. Um, debilitating to your fly rod. It requires the thing getting sent back. It requires an entire new blank. Because if you snap your tip off, then it is going to mess with the action a little bit. You're going to, But you're going to get by just fine. If you lose an inch, two inches, three inches. But if you blow up a female feral, then you're in trouble. And that's what happened because I had kept that rod together um, and didn't even bother looking at it for how many trips. But I've had that happen too, where I've gone out and I've cast. And it's on my first or second cast, I shoot that uh, the, if the rod was in half um, you know if it's a four piece I shoot the top two sections off after like two or three casts and all that is, is because if the thing's rattling around in my car, um, with that line going through the guides and back down again, and in just weird pressure being exerted, going through a couple of temperature fluctuations, uh, humidity fluctuations, that's going to move around enough where it is going to get loose and best case scenario you cast and a couple of those ferals shoot off and you're able to reel them in, it messes up your hole, it messes up your presentation, but guess what? you're able to retrieve your rod and put it back together after you dry it off. Bare minimum, you know, grab it and uh, blow into the female end, give it a couple of shakes, get all the water droplets out there. Um, if you have something small like a uh, um, sunglass a cleaner or even just the sleeve of your shirt, you can get that in there and get that moisture out so when you put it back on that you're not introducing moisture into that uh, tight connection, which could lead to suction and lead to that being a difficult thing to remove. But that's just one example. I've got more examples, but first, as, uh, as promised, we're going to get to our very first uh, commercial of uh, the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast. And support for this episode of the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for body grooming. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. 4.0. They, they've put some time into trimming. Uh, They've put time into their their razors. This is their fourth iteration in only a matter of years. And you too can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer just for you, 20% off, and free worldwide shipping. Not just the United States, worldwide shipping by using the code casting at manscaped.com. So that's casting as in casting across. So why am I talking about a trimmer? Well, do you remember a couple episodes ago, I was talking about your summer fly fishing gear and I brought up that, you know, taboo subject of underwear. Uh, You you have to wear, you know, good quality underwear if you're going to be wearing good quality pants. Otherwise, what's the point? Uh, This kind of falls in line with that. If you find yourself getting incredibly hot or if you find yourself um, getting uh, chafed or you find yourself just being uncomfortable when you're fishing in the summertime, one great way to deal with that is by trimming body hair. All right. So whether that be, you know, your armpits, whether that be below the waist, whether that be, you know, if you're a particularly hairy guy, I'm not saying be smooth like the belly of brook trout. I'm just saying this is maybe an option for you. Um, this is a trimmer that is not just you know the $20 thing that you buy off of the rack at the big box store. This is uh, precision craftsmanship. Uh, some of the, the neat things about this is it actually has an LED light an LED light, so I don't know if why you want to shave in the dark, but you could certainly do that, or it might just help you see if if you are particularly furry. Um, another cool thing about the the Lawnmower 4.0 is that it is a cordless charging situation. So if you do not like clutter, if you like things neat and clean, both on your person and on your bathroom countertop, then the uh, Lawnmower 4.0 is a great fit for that. But as I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code CASTING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CASTING. You can unlock your confidence with a new lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. Continuing on with mid-season maintenance. So the second thing I want to talk about after making sure that your ferals are lined up is your knots. Uh, I love at the beginning of the season to go through, take all of my leaders off, whether they be knotless uh, tapered leaders, whether they be knotted tapered leaders that I have tied myself, whether they be furled leaders, which furled leaders, stick around to the end of the episode, I have something good to talk about at the end of the episode with another recommendation, Um, but what, no matter what it is, fluorocarbon, monofilament, you name it, I start over, Um, I just, it, it might be totally fine. But in my mind, I like peace of mind of not knowing that I have the integrity of new material and new knots, but also that I know the lengths that I'm working with. And so that, that's just kind of, it's a, it's a pre-season maintenance thing that I like to do. Um, And what I I like to do at the end of the season sometimes is just snip it off, uh, you know, use my nippers, use my, my pliers and go in. And if I know like, all right, this is one of the last trips I'm going to take in like late September on a trout stream because they close here in New Hampshire um, in October. Or if uh, you know, the stripers are definitely gone. And so I take my saltwater stuff and I just snip off that either that loop-to-loop connection or or whatever the terminal end of my leader is so I'm forced at the beginning of the season to start over and, and do that um, I don't say oh I can get away with it this time because then if I have a, a, a knot in there I don't know about or if I lose a fish then all I can do is blame myself so I like to be proactive with that but in the middle of the season I like to kind of go and take inventory what am I working with and it's as simple as taking your reel peeling off you know uh, enough leader and tippet until you get to your fly line and then just with your fingers going from whatever your connection is from your line to leader and going through with your fingers and with your eyes if it's, if it's a heavier tippet and giving a good little tug at those knots and usually I'll find that if I tied a brand new uh, leader on you know I use my, my, my butt sections I still like using butt sections from knotless tapered leaders. Um, I stick with a couple of different brands. I like um, Orvis's uh, uh, leader material. I like Rio's leader material, and I kind of go back and forth with those two. But I use knotless tapered leaders for my butt sections. Um, Because you you never get into a situation unless you have an, an awful tangle where you're going to need to work up into that very much. So instead of having two extra knots, um, going from really, really thick mono to kind of thinner, but still thick mono, I like using a knotless tapered leader for like my first four feet of, of any leader, especially for freshwater. But then I hit those knots and start pulling on them. A nice hearty tug. The kind of tug that you might not ever get from a fish, but you might get if you get hung up and you set the hook really hard on on a stump or something like that. And I work my way down feeling for wind knots, even feeling for kinks. Um, You know, a a great thing would be, uh, it's not a great thing, but a great thing to notice proactively is if you had a rod strung up for a particularly long time and you had something maybe 3x or smaller up against your tip top and there was a kink in it again might it be okay it might be okay but if you can have that visible um and you know you can feel that there's a little bit of a divot or a little bit of a bend in that mono there's no reason why you can't tie you know three or four or five more feet of mono off of your spool onto your your tippet as opposed to fishing with something that's had a kink in it for who knows how long because you you know you, you make all those new leader setups at the beginning of the year and say you have, you know, two five weights you fish with and a four weight, a three weight, and maybe a six weight or something like that. You may be with a whole lot less and reels than, than I do because you're much more uh, um, self-controlled than me. But you might have set something up for that first trip of the year and you might not have fished with it since back in April, March. And how many times do you have it in the back of your hot car? Maybe it got wet early on and it might be totally fine, but go ahead and check it. You know, the last thing you want is that 4x to 5x knot to fail um, because all you did was peel line off your reel, tie a fly on, and cast it. And then the first fish that hits or the first branch that you uh, get hung up in on your back cast, now all of a sudden, You lost that fly you just tied on, you lost that fly you wanted to fish, you lost four feet of tippet up in a tree. Um, It's a simple step to just go through all the reels that are in your rotation and do a quick spot check using your hands primarily, but also using vision to, to see what's going on. So first thing, check your rods, second, check your leaders and tippet. And the third thing is, I would just say do an inventory on your stuff. Uh, If you had a bottle of Floatant from last season that you've been using all this season, and maybe it's getting down to the end of it, and whether that's throwing a second bottle into your chest pack uh, so that you can change them out, or just going ahead and getting, you know, pitching that last uh, quarter inch that's at the bottom of it and starting over again or maybe the more eco-friendly thing would be to tip it upside down you know on your desk so that it drains into the new one if there's space in the new one i don't know Uh, but being prepared uh, similarly looking into your your chest pack or your vest or your sling pack you know did you have a knotless tapered leader that you had to use a couple of trips ago, but you just slip that package back in your vest because you don't want to be littering and you want to put it back where it goes. Double check those packages. I don't know how many times I've done that where I had like a massive tangle on the stream. So I had a package leader that I just had kind of in reserve. And so I took it out and I was more focused on not getting that thing knotted up, which here real quick, free tip, I've seen a billion people talk about this thing over the years. My favorite way to make sure that you don't tangle up your knotless tapered leader or any leader that comes out of a package, especially if it tapers down to something thin like four or five six x, is once you take it out and it's in that nice tight little coil, put your all five four of your fingers and your your thumb and one hand inside of it and make it go tight. So you know, turn your fingers into the inside of a spool or excuse me the outside of a spool, and then. Working your way with the, um, the heavy end, so if it's a, you know, usually there's going to be a loop-to-loop connector on it, unravel that and then just pull that off um, slowly but surely and maintain that tension on your, your, um, your hand with your fingers and your thumb moving outwards. Uh, it's a great way to not tangle up, you know, this brand new leader that cost you between, you know, five and seven bucks and could potentially be, uh, you know, maybe the last one in your packet, in your best. So uh, anyway, all I'd say: look in your vest, check those out, make sure that there actually are leaders in those um, in those packages. And that happened especially for you know like Orvis sells; it's always two leaders in one uh, one package. Where I would just assume, well, there's probably another one in there. And I don't know how many times I think, okay, well, I really wanted that nine foot six x uh, leader to start with, but uh, now I'll switch to something else because that was just trash that I forgot to take out of my vest. You'd be surprised at how much trash you actually accumulate. Strike indicators, um, you know, little fly fly shop cups, um, you know, wrappers, you name it, they're all going to be in there, just get rid of that stuff. And then when you do that too, this is a time to start to move your flies around. Um, Especially if you use multiple vests, packs, um, patches, things like that. Um, You you might have a couple of flies that you love to use, but it's on something else. This is the time to kind of say, all right, let's readjust, I'm going to probably fish harder uh, than I have been in these really hot months, especially if you're a trout angler uh, moving into September, October. So, you know, you want to be as ready as you can be so that you're spending time fishing. You know, I talk about this and it might sound like minutia. It might sound like it's kind of inconsequential, but what would you rather do? Deal with all these things on a Wednesday night at nine o'clock while you're watching sports or think about them when you're on the river or kick yourself because you didn't think about them earlier and now it's caused you to lose time fishing or lose a fish so yes it's it's minutiae but i guarantee you that spending time doing it is going to take you less time than you took listening to me Uh, so for whatever it's worth uh, take these bits of advice the first one you know if you've left your rod together and it's sitting in your boat, in your car, in your garage, wherever it might be. On your boat dock, if you've got a cabin or something like that, go ahead and just take it apart, put it back together, make sure everything's in good order. It might save you a, you know, very very catastrophic situation. Uh, secondly, run your uh, hand and your eyes down your leader and tippet, make sure everything's in working order, um, make sure that those knots are still nice and nice and tight. And then thirdly, just reorganize and take inventory of what you have and what you don't have. Now's the time to fix that. You'll do it in a much more full and thorough manner over the winter, but uh, you know now's a great time to do it, especially if you're a trout angler who's been maybe taking a little bit easy on your local waters um, because of, of the hot temperatures that we have in the middle of summer. This week on castingacross.com, the first article, which came out on Monday, is called Fly Fishing Museums. And this is really just like a... Um, an inventory of the major fly fishing museums that you can find around the country I got thinking about it last week after the podcast where I was kind of rattling off the top of my head some of the fly fishing museums that are out there and so this is a probably not comprehensive but a pretty good list of the eight major fly fishing museums that are around the country if you know one or you know a significant exhibit of fly fishing stuff, whether that be in a real museum, like an art museum that might have some fly fishing art, or um, a natural history museum, which might have some, you know, feathers or something like that. Then let me know, I would love to include that I'm I am not above going back and adding to articles that kind of appear in some sort of catalog form. So reach out to me Matthew at casting Matthew at casting And I would absolutely uh, love to uh, add more to, to that uh, article, uh, Fly Fishing Museum. So that's just a, hopefully a good research, uh, resource for you. And Wednesday's article is called Trout and Feather, August 21. So I've been doing this for over a year, working with Tim Camisa of Trout and Feather, um, of writing uh, a monthly post for, for his great website where he features some excellent fly tying videos. I mentioned his fly tying book uh, that just came out a couple of months ago last week on the podcast as my recommendation. This week, uh, I have a link to my article called Fish Ugly. Uh, I also have a link to two videos of his. One is about the stages of fly tying that people go through, which is just kind of a fun way to think about fly tying. And then also he talks about his book, which I would definitely recommend checking that out. And when you're there, just go back. And if you're a fly tire, uh, whether you're a beginner or you're advanced, Tim's videos are excellent. He has guest tires. He uh, just has a, a really robust catalog. Of fly tying videos so I have nothing but uh, good things to say about Tim and uh, his content I'm happy to contribute uh, on a monthly basis this week's recommendation on the podcast well hold on a second just to make sure that we're clear earlier I had my first commercial and that is an agreement and a partnership that involves uh, some form of compensation I won't give you the details of the contract but it's a trial contract right now with, uh, with Manscaped I mentioned earlier remember Manscaped.com, casting for twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping. Anyway, these recommendations at the end of the podcast these are not paid promotions. This is me talking about stuff that I like. This is me talking about stuff I've bought thing stuff uh, that's been that's been sent to me just to try out the stuff that um, I, I've used for for years sometimes. And Appalachian for a Leader Company certainly falls into this category. Um, I mentioned earlier that I use furled leaders a lot along with uh, tying my own leaders and Appalachian furled leader companies are the only furled leaders that I use anymore. Um, they have all purpose leaders which are good for general all around trout fishing um, and warm water fishing. They have big meat streamers which I actually use my big meat streamer fluorocarbon leader in the salt water uh, for schooly stripers um, and then I use the, um, the monofilament one for, for trout. Uh, they have Euro hybrid leaders. They have packages where they um, where they give you two different leaders of similar style. So, like, you, you can get the big meat streamer package, which comes with one flora, one mono, uh, the Euro nymphing package, which comes with some of their mountain wax for, for floating portions of your leader, which is a really great thing you can do with these um uh, for leaders but that package comes with a, uh, a euro cider leader and a euro hybrid leader so if you maybe don't want to use that 11 and a half foot three weight but you want to kind of get some of the benefits of being able to tight line nymph and also see your leader as it makes contact with the water then goes underneath it it's a great alternative for that but you can also use it with that traditional nymphing gear but something like that Two handmade leaders, handmade in North Carolina, as well as the um, the Mountain Wax. Just for example, that's a $33 sale that's going on right now at the time of this podcast. Uh, retails for just about 40 bucks normally. But you can go check them out at AppalachianFurledLeaderCo.com. AppalachianFurledLeaderCo.com. Uh, just, again, an excellent product. Uh has a great relationship with local firefighters uh, that do some of their work for them uh, for putting their their field leaders together and supports that uh, um, the firefighters in North Carolina. You know it's just a a great product. It is easy to cast. I use it on fast water, still water, you name it. Um, I've loved using these leaders for really almost as long as Casting Cross has been around. I have nothing but great things to say about them. So I'll put a link to Appalachian Frold Leader Company on the show notes of castingacross.com for this particular podcast episode. And you can also check out some more reviews I've had over the years because um, whether it be new products or different products or trying out different uses for them, there's quite a bit of content, probably at least six articles on the website talking about the Frold Leaders, specifically Frold Leaders from Appalachian Frold Leader Company. Thank you for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.
0: A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 8 Western. I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.